Hi, welcome to church today. The message you're about to listen to came from a recent gathering at our church. Be encouraged as you enjoy this message. Okay, well, as usual, it's an honour to share with you what I feel the Holy Spirit is saying to us. Um, yeah. Father, I just thank you. I thank you for this ministry. I thank you for everything that you're doing here. I'd like to say, Lord, we hear you loud and clear, even before we've um, heard what I'm going to be saying today. We hear you loud and clear, Holy Spirit. Lord, I ask that you would speak through my lips whatever you want to say, and that which you don't want to say, I would not be able to say. Lord, I just lift up the saints to you today, and I ask that you'd give us all a teachable spirit. Yeah, I just bless you and just honour you in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, um, so this short message, and it is short, guarantee you, is called, again I say rejoice. Okay, again I say rejoice. Now, the reason I'm speaking about that is because last week, <laughs> yeah, my voice is loud. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'll speak softly. Yeah, so the reason why I'm speaking on this is because last week, I was over there just thinking about rejoice, rejoicing. Yeah, I was just thinking about it. And then Pastor Rod said something, said a few things. And what he said was, I know I should rejoice, but lately I feel not like rejoicing. Okay, I've been feeling not like rejoicing in my current battle. With his, with his dear wife, okay? But then he said, but of late, I've started to feel like rejoicing again. But I've started to feel guilty. And the Holy Spirit reacted. And he said, right, you're going to speak on rejoicing, okay? And... My message to you, Pastor Rod, is from the Holy Spirit. No, I want you to rejoice. Even though, okay, I need you to rejoice. Okay? Um, Just the way, it was a setup. I mean, I was thinking about the word rejoicing. You started mentioning about it, and the Holy Spirit said, yeah, by the way, I want you to speak about rejoicing. Okay, so he always likes to set us up. And so I said, Lord, can I even have a message on rejoice? And he said, you'd be surprised what is in the word rejoice. You would be surprised. Okay, so we're just going to go a little bit on that today. So, rejoice. The meaning of rejoice 
is to feel joy or great delight. The Greek word translated as, is translated as Cairo, which just means to rejoice, to be glad, to be full of joy. And I'll get on to joy in a minute um, because it's important that we differentiate between joy and happiness, okay? Um, that's really important. But what I will say is this. There are some days when that you spend with the Lord and the Holy Spirit speaks to you in a way that you realize that it is very significant. That particular day, you'll come back to it and say, yeah, that was the day. And I had one of those days on the 5th of March, okay? And the Lord said some things to me that are marked in the spirit with respect to what he's going to do here and what he's doing here, okay? At some point, I'll go into some details maybe later on. But one thing in particular he said about us, okay? And what he said was this. He said, Deji, pray for the life of CCF. That it will be injected with life from my spirit. Pray that the people would be full of joy, full of excitement, and full of hope, and that there would be no doubting in your midst, and that all would believe me for my word. So joy is a thing for us right now. The Lord is really on it. Really, really on it, okay? And indeed, the Holy Spirit said to me, my definition of rejoicing is simply, it is an act of showing off your joy. An act of showing off your joy, okay? And he's basically saying, you guys, this ministry, the body, you need to show off your joy. All right, so he began to say a few different things to me in amongst a little bit of uh, preaching here. Um, the first thing that he said, which isn't actually on the list, as I said to, to Liz, was that the Lord said, don't you know that I've established a covenant with joy, everlasting joy, that can never be broken? And I thought, well, okay. And what he, what he was saying is that a key dimension of God's covenant is joy. Okay? It is. It's joy. Joy unspeakable, full of glory. We see in 1 Peter 1.8, it says this. Without having seen him, you love him. Though you do not even now see him, you believe in him and exult 
and thrill with inexpressible and glorious, triumphant, heavenly joy. At the same time, you receive the result, outcome, consummation of your faith, the salvation of your souls. The prophets who prophesied of the grace, divine dressing, which was intended for you, searched and inquired earnestly about this salvation. Saints, you do not have to go through life in sadness, sighing and sorrow. If you believe, you will rejoice without restriction. Nothing will stop you. Nothing will stop your flow of joy in Jesus' name. Okay? I will say it again. You do not have to go through life in sadness, sighing and sorrow. If you believe, you will rejoice without restriction. Nothing will stop your flow of joy in Jesus' name. All right. So, joy and happiness. Who in here is happy? So if you're not happy then you're sad, right? Who in here is happy? Okay. Mm. Who in here has joy? There's some people who didn't put their hands up at all. Okay. This is what the Lord is saying then. I understand now. I understand. The joy of the Lord is superior to happiness. Okay? Superior. Happiness is simply a response to circumstances. Joy is a confidence built on your relationship with God. Okay? Joy is a gift from God to believers in Christ who obey his word in spite of of trials while keeping their hope fixed on the glory which is to come. Joy is produced by the presence of the Spirit of God. I say again, joy is produced by the presence and the Spirit of God. So where the Spirit of God is in you, there is, a, there is joy, okay? But there is a potential for that to break out. You can either cooperate or not, okay? The kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. That's Romans 14, 17. So as spirit-filled Christians, we possess seeds of joy. Now, this is what I was thinking, talking about. There are seeds of joy in you. But if you don't allow those seeds to be planted, to be sown, to grow into anything, they won't grow into anything. So you can sit and not experience 
the joy of the Lord as a Christian. You can, you can have this. Therefore, joy is a fruit of the Spirit, independent of circumstances, but dependent on God himself who dwells within us. When you live and walk in the Spirit, the fruit of joy will supernaturally burst forth. So, to experience this, you have to walk in the Spirit Joy is a conscious choice. You can choose to rejoice or you can choose not to. The secret of joy is not discovered in the absence of trials, but in the midst of them. The secret of joy. James 1 2 and 1 Peter 1 7. I'm not going to go through all the scriptures. When you choose and commit to a life of joy, God's empowerment will follow. And we'll talk about that. No devil, demon, or adverse situation can silence a person of joy. You must begin to express joy by faith through an ever-positive countenance, smiles, laughter, and the like, and we'll go into that. So let's do this again. Who in here is in joy? Okay, a bit better. Still work to be done. Okay, so as children of God, we must say Philippians 4.4, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say, again, I say, okay, so we're on our way. So the rest of this is just going to be looking at some reasons. Now, the Holy Spirit was very good with me actually because I was like whoa some of the things you're saying where's this in scripture he was giving me the scripture and he was saying this is what this is definitely what you need to be saying this is what they need to focus on this is what they need to understand okay so I'll do my best number one rejoice that your name is in the Lamb's book of life okay Luke 10.20 says this, Nevertheless, do not rejoice at this. What is this? That the spirits are subject to you. That demons are subject to you in my name. Don't rejoice in that. But rejoice that your names are enrolled in heaven. For your name to be enrolled in heaven means that at the door, your name's on the list. And this is where we start with in terms of the book of life or the Lamb's book of life. 
Now, Paul, when messaging the Philippians, indicates something here. We see in Philippians 4, 3 to 5 in the New King James. And I urge you also, true companion, help these women who labored with me in the gospel, with Clement also, and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say, okay. let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. So, Christians, those that have given their life, your names are in the book of life. Okay, But we need to understand about the book of life. The book of life, also called the scroll of life, or book of remembrance. So let's go to Revelations. Revelations 21, 27 in the Amplified says this, but nothing that defiles or profanes or is unwashed shall ever enter it. What's it? It's talking about eternal life, heaven. Nor anyone who commits abominations, unclean, detestable, morally repugnant things, or practices falsehood, but only those whose names are recorded in the Lamb's book of life. So without your name being in the book, you're not getting in. So whose name gets in the book? Now, I went to the scriptures because there are a few things that parts of the body of Christ are saying, but actually, if it's not in the word, then it can't be right. So, everybody that is born, their name goes into the book. Okay? Everybody. Exodus 32, 31 to 33, the Amplified says this. So Moses returned to the Lord and said, Oh, these people have sinned a great sin and have made themselves gods of gold. Yet now, if you will forgive their sin, and if not, blot me, I pray you, out of your book, which you have written. But the Lord said to Moses, whoever has sinned against me, I will blot him, not you, out of my book. So, the Lord is saying, if you sin against him, he will blot you out of his book. So let's talk about the timeline of that. Okay? The first thing to understand is that you go into the book when you're born, right? Then at some point, because it's a book of life, it maps your life. At some point, there's a stamp in there for maybe when you reach the age of accountability. You know what you're doing. You can choose between good and evil. You know what you're doing. You're not a baby. Okay? There's a stamp in there probably for that. Then at some point in there, you have the opportunity to accept Jesus. Okay? Now, for some of us, 
we say yes. And there's a stamp in there which says saved in red letters, probably. Okay? But for others, there is no stamp. There's nothing in there. Yet. Okay? Now, if you die at that point, there will be no further entries. But at the point of that, your death, if you've not accepted Jesus, God will wipe your name from the book. Okay? Now, I believe the entries will still be in there, but your name will be gone. But if you've accepted Jesus, like we all have, hopefully, your name will remain there when you pass. Now, at this point, I am going to ask if there's anybody in here, actually, that has not accepted Jesus. Because this will convict you severely, okay? And I want to give you the opportunity, if you feel you have not publicly accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, now's your chance. It's an opportunity. Come to me afterwards, whatever, but I'm just giving you that opportunity. It would be unfair to preach these things without putting that offer out there. Okay? Good. Good, good. Okay. So, Revelation 3, 5 says this. Thus shall he who conquers is victorious, be clad in white garments, and I will not erase or blot out his name from the book of life. I will acknowledge him as mine, and I will confess his name openly before my father and before his angels. Okay, so that is us. Our name is in that book, okay, and when we pass, there's an entry with our name in it, okay, and there's probably something that says saved the day, great day, and that's sealed. And I want to encourage you, and it's the reason for our joy. It's the reason why we must rejoice, okay? But now we look at the other side. Revelations 20, 12 to 15 says this. I also saw the dead, great and small. They stood before the throne. Now, this is the white throne judgment. And books were opened. Now, these books are everything that everyone has ever done, good and evil, okay? Then another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged, sentenced by what they had done the whole way of feeling and acting, their aims and endeavors in accordance with what was recorded in the books. And the sea delivered up the dead who were in it, death and Hades, the state of death or disembodiment, disembodied existence, surrendered the dead in them, and all were tried, and their cases determined. So, now we're talking about those who have not accepted Jesus, okay? 
every single thing that they've done, God will test it and try it because God is just. Okay? There will be nothing left out. And that's why there's so many of these books. According to their motives, aims, and works, then death and Hades, the state of death or disembodied existence, were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found recorded in the book of life, he was hurled into the lake of fire. So, now, for us Christians, we're not going to go through that judgment. Okay? We will go through a judgment, but that judgment will be on the basis of what we did in the body of Christ. Because our sin is dealt with by the blood of Jesus. Okay? And we must reflect on this and rejoice in this truth. Okay? Because... It's only by us rejoicing in this and knowing this and thinking on this will we actually be desperate to go out there and minister and witness the gospel. Because we will know the true extent of what's going to happen. Okay. So, in 2 Corinthians 5, 9 to 1, for us, what we will experience is this. Therefore, we make it our aim, whether present or absent, to be well-pleasing to him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body, according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Knowing, therefore, the terror of the Lord, we persuade men, but we are well known to God and also trust are well known in your conscience. So again, it's the reason we must get out there and let it be known. So for us, we must rejoice. And again, I say, okay. Thank you, Lord. All right. Number two. Rejoice because Jesus rejoiced. So the Holy Spirit said to me, I want to teach them, or us, how to rejoice. Right? He wants to teach us how to rejoice. Now, when he said this, I knew what he really meant was, I want to show you what you should really be doing when you rejoice. Okay? What really makes you rejoice? So the Lord rejoices himself. And in this scripture, which I'm going to read, which is Luke 10 21, we see where the 70 disciples have come back from an evangelistic mission and they give their report to Jesus. And he and the Holy Spirit rejoice. Okay? In other words, the Holy Spirit is filling Jesus and moving him to rejoice. That God the Father has chosen, according to his own good pleasure, his own rejoicing, to reveal the Son to babes. Ordinary, unlearned people. 
and to hide him from the wise, those who are intellectually elite. All right, so in this, we have to really realize that no matter who we are, no matter what level of so-called man's wisdom we carry, God has decided to circumnavigate that and say, right, I'll reveal it to who I want to reveal my son to. In Luke 10, 21 to 22, it says this. In the same hour, he rejoiced and gloried in the Holy Spirit and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have cooperated, I'm sorry, concealed 